Welcome to Dismantling the High Performance Narrative, a podcast that challenges what it means to be a high performer. Here are your hosts, Lauren Williams and Rob Kalvaroski. Welcome to Dismantling the High Performance Narrative. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this week's episode, I'm not there this week, but Lauren Williams hosts the show and Sarah Golem joins the show. They talk about how to become resilient. They talk about dealing with suicide and they talk about the importance of surrounding yourself with people that you can trust. If you haven't yet, subscribe to Dismantling the High Performance Narrative on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a rating and review on Apple. It would That would help us so much. And if you like this episode or any of the previous ones, please share them with your friends and colleagues. We would really appreciate that to spread our message as far as it can go. And lastly, if you want to learn more about what Lauren's doing or what I'm doing in terms of coaching athletes, in terms of high-performance coaching, in terms of leadership coaching, and in terms of speaking, Go to highperformancenarrative.com and you can find it all there. Everybody, I really appreciate you listening. And here's the interview with Sarah Golem. Welcome back to Dismantling the High Performance Narrative. We've got a different voice here. Rob's taking a break. I'm Lauren Williams. And I am so excited to get into this one because we have an awesome guest. Sarah, how are you doing? I'm good, you know, it's another busy day of working, but enjoying the summertime and getting ready for another fall season ahead. Yeah, absolutely. You still got another semester and another bit of a season coming up. How's that feel coming off of the heels of what an insane year? Yeah, it's it's super exciting. I actually uh, had surgery in January. So um, yeah, just finally getting back, how to get my shoulder fixed up. But I'm super excited to get going for this last year and hopefully uh, have another successful year. And uh, yeah, it's nice to be back post-COVID. Hopefully we get all the games out, get fans out there. It should be a good time. Yeah. And for those who don't know, you play soccer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So that's sweet. My like second love in sports was always soccer. <laughs> so I, I love it. And watching the the Olympics go on right now, I'm like, oh, come on, someone give me a soccer ball. I want to get yeah. out of Exactly, right? Yeah. So um, for everybody who missed our like 15-minute intro talk before we started recording, um, tell us a little bit about, about you and how your journey with, with mental health uh, started. Yeah, so I mean, well, right now I'm going into my senior year, um, super big in mental health advocacy, but a lot of it started um, when I was about 14 15, 16 years old, somewhere in that range, um, had a situation where it was undiagnosed um, injury at the time, but ended up being pure form of syndrome. But essentially, I couldn't feel my leg, how to, you know, reteach myself how to walk, focus on the dorsiflexion. Um, it took over a year to get diagnosed. But at the time, they're like, we're going to test you for ALS. We're going to test you for brain tumors. We're going to, you know, see if it's Lyme disease all these crazy things that my young high school self was like, Oh my gosh, I think I'm dying. Like my I don't know. Yeah. 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 So super casual on top of being a high school student and just everything, the, you know, stereotypical things that come with that. Um, 
So yeah, I went to therapy because one day my parents just came up to me and they said, Hey, like you don't seem like yourself anymore. Um, how, like, what would you think about talking to someone? And at first I was really hesitant. I think that whole athlete mindset gets in the way of, Hey, you know, rub some dirt on it, keep going, keep pushing, you know, don't be weak. Like you can do this. Um, but I was fortunate enough that my parents were just straight up with me and uh, told me the truth about how they felt. And so I, you know, gave it a chance and ended up loving it. Um, I find the therapy is actually the most beneficial thing for me um, and through my mental health journey and helping figuring figuring it out and finding that path through it. Um, Yeah. And then I would say in general, um, it's funny because like I, before this, I just openly said like, yeah, I now find myself like openly a member of the LGBT community but that's something like I haven't even admitted mm-hmm. you know in any sort of public sphere so that's where I'm at today but um, that, yeah right yay <laughs> um no it, it's it's great um but to think back my younger self going through high school was devastated mm-hmm. by coming to these realizations and struggling with it and I went through some really severe depression where you know I didn't get to the point of suicide ideation at that time, but I definitely was like contemplating, like, I don't know what to do with myself anymore. Like, can I do this? Like, can I live like this? And just, you know, trying to hide it for so long. Um, so that definitely contributed to my mental health issues, trauma, problems and all that. Um, and then going into college, um, you know, freshman year started out great. Got to join the soccer program. I absolutely love Concordia St. Paul. Um, Every single one of my teammates that I've had, I'm so fortunate to have. Um, so had a good fall season. And then, um, unfortunately, on uh, the 24th of December, got the news that my cousin had taken his own life. Um, and so that was definitely my first instance of facing suicide mm-hmm. and having to have those types of discussions. And I still remember, like, the call that my mom got and just, like, being like what's happening I couldn't hear on the other end um, and getting that news and it was really just like this big shock and it was a lot and it was heavy Mm -hmm. Um, and then in April of the following year um, my buddy Tia she also took her life um, and she played on the cross team and that was I don't know I felt like it was like step after step um, Mm -hmm. in those instances that was really difficult. You know, we weren't like best friends or anything, but we were, you know, we just goofed around with each other talking about like video games or making fun of each other. Like it was just like a nice, like unproblematic friendship. And so um, it just kept on opening up my world to it. Um, My sophomore year, I had an instance where a certain individual um, outed me Mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily something that I talk about super publicly because I just don't feel like throwing people under the bus. Um, but at the end of the day, it happened. And um, it that was my first instance of suicide ideation of like looking at myself in the mirror and thinking, I don't want to be here. Like, yeah. I can't do this anymore. Like, what do I do now? Um, I spiraled. So fortunately, went to therapy. I had, you know, good people to surround me throughout it. Um, so that was helpful. I got back on my feet, got through those depressive states anxiety, you know, got it back under control with different techniques through therapy. Um, COVID hit. That was crazy the following year. Did not expect it. Literally the last thing, like we got a notification saying in one week, you need to be out of your dorms. 
it was like just boom you're out and I'm from Florida so when you're going from Minnesota to Florida it's a little bit bigger of a deal um so you have to just uproot your life so had some you know depressive states throughout that time period of just trying to transition I remember a discussion with my dad being like I just don't feel happy like Mm -hmm. I can't I don't know what to do um so you know worked through that and then um unfortunately the most recent impact related mental health was the passing of my my mentor, my friend, someone that I said was a part of the Glemmy family, um, Jordan Clark. I call her Clarky. A lot of us call her Clarky, but um, that was definitely, you know, losing her to suicide as well. Um, earlier this year was by far the biggest impact that I've ever had. It's, I, you know, I could easily say it's the worst day of my life getting that news. Um, so you know, really having to go through that grief and loss process to the fullest extent because it feels like it's a family member um, and someone that I look looked up to as a role model. So, um, you know, coming full circle with all of that, it, you know, first started with my own um, dilemmas, the things that I was going through, and then the impact of losing others. Um, you know, I definitely don't say like, oh, there's good in everything because I think that just sometimes bad things happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm not looking for the silver lining. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it definitely um, put me on this path to mental health advocacy. So now I'm a part of the nationwide nonprofit called The Hidden Opponent. And we focus on getting rid of the stigma surrounding mental health and athletics. Um, so I am in control of the D2 group. Um, so that's a great opportunity. I work basically in an ambassador style program. So I really enjoy that advocacy, my own personal advocacy, just being, you know, really open and honest on social media um, and then on campus focusing on getting as many resources and things as possible to help out student athletes because you know you and I talked about it but we're just so underserved like I don't think people understand the the trials and tribulations that we go through on a daily basis that's more than just being a person like there's so much on top of that so um, and then recently officially started the Jordan Clark Foundation. Um, and so that's an honor of obviously Jordan Clark. And it's been the greatest honor of my life to be able to be a co-founder of that. So we'll have a 5k one mile little thing in honor of her to just remember the good times and um, try to put our best foot forward. But yeah, definitely um, say a lot of things in life, you know, let me on the path that I am today. But yeah, I'm just glad to be alive and keep advocating. Yeah, that's your your story is one that like pulls at so many different strings for me as well just on terms of like the athlete side and having to persevere through you know something that when you're so young like when you're in high school and you're dealing with everything else in your life to -hmm. have this big looming uncertainty over you then you know getting into one of those highs of like oh my gosh you're at college And it's one of those things where, like, as an athlete, you get to college, it's amazing. And then, boom, you're hit with a huge loss. And then they kind of just seemed to, like, stack on top of each other in terms of, you know, just the way that you described it in your experience. So what was that like in terms of having to apply that resilience and that fortitude to get through that while you were also still an athlete in college? Yeah, it it was very difficult. Um, I think that 
you know, each of those events happening, like losing individuals to suicide. And then my own personal things, like each one was so hard to get through. Um, you're trying to balance being this, you know, high performing athlete where people are depending on you. Like I'm a goalkeeper. So like, I know like it's a high mental like stake, like you, you have to be island. <laughs> exactly. Like you got to be ready to go 24 seven, even training sessions. Like that's the thing that I loved like, about Jordan Clark was that like we pushed each other. So like we were going at it during yeah. training sessions, but I had to be mentally prepared to essentially push aside things for, mm-hmm. you know, an hour and a half, two hours, whatever it is for a training session or a game. Um, so I think it took a lot of therapy. Um, it took a lot of me being open and honest about how I was feeling with close friends, making sure that, you know, I instilled my trust in the right people, but allowed them to kind of enter into my world. Um, for the first part, I isolated myself quite a bit. Um, I definitely struggled with being so far from home when I went up to Concordia. And so I had to realize, like, I need to talk to somebody. I need to, like, feel these things out and let myself just have these emotions. And so, you know, that was the great thing with the goalkeeper groups that we've had is, like, when we were having tough times, like our goalkeeper coach, Tom is an amazing guy. And, you know, he understood, like, if you need to take a break, go take a break. Like I definitely went into the bathrooms and cried before real quick. It just, just like, like reset. Maybe like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, it definitely has been difficult. I think it's, you know, with the most recent loss of Clarkie. So I had surgery two weeks after I got the call about my surgery two days after um and so it you know I just got cleared like three days ago so talking about a six-month span post the worst thing that I've had happen in my life like that worst loss um trying to navigate that I definitely had to surround myself with my teammates Mm -hmm. and I I feel like I kind of got a little bit of like attachment issues for a hot second because I was just like I feel so happy and comfortable when I'm around these people um yeah I'm I'm big on like just feel things out so if I'm going to be sad I'm just going to go like cry real quick like I'm just going to feel it out because I can process it so much easier than just bottling it up um so I think yeah just therapy surround yourself with the right people and um just make sure people keep you in line because sometimes you don't realize how far you're falling off yeah absolutely and there's always there's like different aspects of of life that we always talk about and it can go in terms of like the things that you can do versus like the things that happen to you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, we always talk about like the controllables versus the uncontrollables. And when you think about your story, you, you kind of experienced both ends of it, right? Like Mm -hmm. there are uncontrollable things that happen when, you know, people around you die by suicide. That's it's ultimately not something you can control. But then for you, in terms of, you know, your story of, of wanting to be a part of and feeling a part of the LGBTQ community, having what should have been something that was in your control to come out and tell everybody and share that with the world, that must have been like a whole new level of, of grief because that's something that's almost taken. Yeah, I feel like... I remember the first couple of days after it happened, even just the months. And I'm thinking like, I feel like my story got taken away from me. Right. Like my ability to tell people like at the time, the amount of people that I like had told, like I could count on my fingers. Like mm-hmm. it was very limited. It was very selective. It was 
who can I trust? Who do like, I don't know. I personally get this really anxious feeling and then I'm like, get this gut reaction. I'm like, okay, I can tell someone. And like, I felt like that was just taken away from me because at that point I knew that there were other people that knew and going to a small school, we've all, we all say it like things spread like a wildfire. And yeah. so who knows? Like maybe nobody knows, or maybe everybody knows mm-hmm. at this point. I don't care, obviously, <laughs> but like, I did feel like it was ripped away from me and that a part of my story was taken away from me. So I ended up having to, you know, really take control of the situation. And I just told myself like, I get to determine this now. So like I kind of got in front of it and just said like, I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to go make a public statement. I'm not going to go, you know, attack this person publicly or whatever. Like everybody makes mistakes, you know, like we had discussions about it, yada, yada. Um, But I just said like, and especially at this point, like I just want to live my life and live authentically. And the weight was just taken off of me and I could finally like, breathe like I finally feel happy to be who I am and so yes super unfortunate incident I don't wish anybody that pain like I and I know there's so many people who go through that to different extents um Mm -hmm. yeah definitely had to get through the mental situation process it and then say okay what do I do now um and I think therapy was super helpful through that process because therapy really is empowering at least for myself Mm -hmm. um because I mean, a lot of times they're like really validating your feelings. So you're like, oh, thanks. Like, I appreciate you saying that you agree with me here. Like, I'm not going crazy. Yeah. So, um, and even through like the times of the suicidal ideation, um, like when I went to therapy, because that was one of the main things, like red alarm, red flag or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I feel like I'm going crazy. And yeah. she's like, you're not. Yeah. Like a lot of people go through this. Mm-hmm. So I think once you're able to actually get like this education piece, behind like why your brain goes through what it's going through um that's so helpful to be able to be like oh that's chemicals or neural pathways so yeah yeah like it's actually just biology and once you learn how it works yeah. then you can start to like figure it out exactly yeah yeah and that was one of the things that i i wanted to talk about too right because with this community we're working with a, a group of people, high achievers, high performers who don't want to seek help or they don't know how they're nervous about it. And I'm curious to know, like you obviously had very supportive parents who put it on the radar for you and, and made it an acceptable thing to go mm-hmm. get help and go talk to somebody. But what was that experience like for you in terms of, of realizing this thing that has been so helpful and so empowering for you? Yeah, I mean, at first it was even just the concept of it scared me. Like I said, mm-hmm. you're stuck in this like go mode and you're like, nothing's going to stop me. You know, I was trying to kind of get on college's radars at the time. I was taking soccer really seriously. I had life and everything. And like, it was almost just like, okay, pump the brakes. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be okay if my mental health isn't okay. Mm-hmm. I can't perform well if I'm not like doing well up here. Like, really treating your brain like the true like part of your body yes. and so it's like yeah I'm not gonna go like pump some iron and and my brain's gonna be just so much better but actually just taking the time to focus on it and, and that you know biological aspect of it um but you know that realization that it was useful was very empowering um from the first therapist I had to 
the therapist at CSP to therapist that I have now, like I've learned so much from each of them. Um, you know, I definitely think that everybody should take the time to find the right one. Um, I think leading up to the therapist that I'm at now, she's absolutely fantastic and challenges me and like really is helping me because I'm someone like that wants homework almost. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I found that out through two other therapists before that or three something. But um, yeah, I mean, I really, really suggest people to just take a chance on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of like, oh, what's the worst thing? They could say no, like kind of one of those situations. Like the worst thing that could happen is that you say therapy is not for me. And that's okay. Like right. it's not like for me, I tried journaling so hard. I wish I could journal my feelings and get it all out there. And then I try for like three days and I'm done. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that, that journal sitting over there that I haven't touched. Yeah. But it's good for other people. So, um, you like, you convince yourself that if you buy one that looks really, really nice, that it doesn't <laughs> yeah. work. I'm like, oh, let me get this sleek looking one and maybe I'll just be interested in picking it up more. And then next thing I know, I've got a pile of them. And I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's not going to work for me. But therapy is mm -hmm. for me the perfect culmination of things because you can get new, like, new ways to handle it. So, like, mm -hmm. for me, like, sometimes I just needed, like, stress relief or like little cues, like physical cues for my anxiety. So it ended up being like me doing this on my finger or like snapping this. Like I like to have hair ties on my wrist so that whenever some of those intrusive thoughts come in, I just snap the hair tie and I'm like, oh, hey, my brain is like cueing me for something negative. I don't know why, like, let's figure it out. Right. So I think it's super helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love to hear that because, and also hear you talk about like, hey, I'm not with the same therapist that I started with. Mm -hmm. Something that we say a lot on the show is like rarely ever does the first therapist that someone goes to see be that like they're that perfect match. Yeah. Like it's just kind of like dating it works. Like it's not that's not how you find like a best friend, right? Like yeah, sometimes yeah. it happens that way, but you really have to find somebody that you connect with on that deeper level who mm -hmm shares like some of the similar values that do that you do and understands your experience and it's not a bad thing to say like hey this this therapist is not I don't feel like I'm meshing with them it's okay to find another one yeah yeah exactly like I like like it's almost like dating it's like you gotta <laughs> like you gotta really like piece it together and be like okay I liked this but I didn't like this and there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with like the therapist. There's so many great therapists out there, but like even like the ways that they teach or practice it, like there's so many different theories out there that you don't really think about when you're just like, oh, I'm going to counseling. But in reality, like they're practicing different ways on you. So like the therapist that I'm at now, I think it's like Adlerian yep. practice or something like that. But like I have homework of like, yeah. hey, go do this, go do that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go do it because it just like, it's effective for me, but mm -hmm. sometimes like people just need a therapist that they talk to and just let it out. Like you, you really, it's, it's like a practice. Like you need to take the time to find the best one for you because once you do, it's, it's so beneficial. Like I do think that everybody can find benefits from therapy, but obviously like, I'm not like you have to do therapy, but yeah. Yeah. No, I hear it. I hear what you're saying. In our, like my, in my field of work, we always say like every coach needs a coach. If you're, if you're helping other people with their mental health and their mental game, somebody should definitely be helping you with yours. Yeah. Sure staying on top of it. 
And I, I love what's going on right now in the athlete community in terms of people starting to stand up for their mental health and even talking about it more. If there is one thing that has come out of this year that I am super stoked about, it's that. And oh, yeah. we still have so much work to do in terms of the stigma of it. And we saw some of that come up with um, Naomi Osaka, of course. Yeah. But um, it's we're, we're making strides is, I think, the least that we can say. Yeah, it's it's really exciting to see. I think COVID put people in a situation, which it, overall COVID equals unfortunate. Yeah. Yes. But I think it, 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 Direct forces line. Them, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Like I'm not going to be like, Oh, good. thing. Like, but at the end of the day, like it put us in this uncomfortable situation where we had to look in the mirror and say like, okay, like let me work on myself or let me like dig deep. And so like for Naomi Osaka, like I love her. Mm-hmm. I think like, her ability, especially after the fact, putting out the Netflix documentary, which highly recommend watching. Um, but I think her ability to be so open and honest, and then even when she was facing backlash for it, which that just really showed the stigma surrounding it because, oh, you're, you're a high-performing athlete, blah, blah, blah. Um, I just really give her props. And for, you know, everybody that's coming out and, like, being honest about it, it's, like, it's so good for these high-profile athletes to be honest or the same with like the LGBT community. Like we're seeing more and more, like I said, it's the most LGBTQ plus athletes in the Olympics ever. Like I think more than like every other year combined or something like that. And that's simply because like advocacy, like people are displaying that whether it's social media or in press conferences, like Mm -hmm. those people are paving the way for individuals like myself or yourself where like we can be honest about it. Like it's, it's just, so great to see it feels so nice to be like hey like somebody playing my sport is going through this like you can identify or like thinking about all the kids like younger than me before they get into serious sports they can understand like there's more to just like trying to impress a coach or trying to be like I'm up here consistently like you got to take care of yourself first because like otherwise like you're going to face burnout you're going to face depression anxiety like those things come into play. So I'm hoping that it kind of helps with like the root cause of a lot of these things. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, the NHL just had their first player come out yeah. as gay also. And I was just like, I don't know, so proud because the NHL um, and I think hockey in general is a sport that has a lot of, a lot of work to do on the men's yeah. side, just because it's, it's been the way that it has for ever and um i was i was super excited to see that for sure um but moving on to i wanted to talk about this hidden opponent um group that you're working with and just so that everybody can know what they're all about because we talked a little bit about it and i think it sounds absolutely amazing so yeah what is hidden opponent yeah so founded by usc former usc volleyball player uh victoria garrick um so basically, she just started this mission to end the stigma within mental or within sports. Um, and so, yeah, we just really focus on the mental health component and um, trying to create more resources, implement new policies. Um, ultimately, I think it's still the goal. I think it is. Yeah. That like we want to go to the NCAA with a lot of this data that we're collecting and say like, hey, we need more help. Let's start to put in legitimate policies. Um, it's a really exciting group to be a part of. Um, 
even when Victoria talked to Kobe before he passed and he was like, I love that name. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, an opponent. Cause it's just like, oh. it resembles like everything we as athletes have to face. Like at the end of the day, like, yeah, we can look like we're just going crazy on the field or we're, you know, having this big time success. But at the end of the day, like there are a lot of struggles that are going on behind the scenes that people can't, you know, see mm-hmm. or feel themselves. Hence the hidden opponent. Um, yeah, we have, uh, it's called the Campus Captains Program. And so it's an ambassador style program where individuals at their respective schools can sign up to be campus captains. So for example, um, you know, we have different groups, but I'm in charge of the division two group. Mm-hmm. So I think this year we're almost up to 40 people and we just started re-signing people up for it. Um, so it's about 40 people in the D2 group. And so that's just a nationwide approach yeah. to focusing on individual campuses, you know, advocacy advocacy roles and like um so like I have a chapter on my campus at Concordia and I've been trying to bring on mental health professionals as guest speakers or we eventually created the mental health task force at my school that focuses on bringing in the athletic director and coaches and trainers and such and also having a student athlete approach um and honestly that's all because I joined the hidden opponent um I think that the people that are there are just so driven um, we include, you know, even high schoolers that are within the age range. Um, so, you know, they can start their advocacy at, at an even younger age before they go into college. Um, we have some pro athletes that join in on the discussion. So there's a blog and people share their stories. And it's really just amazing to see these people being completely open and vulnerable um, about their mental health journeys. So, um, I'm really looking forward to it. I highly recommend it to anybody who's an athlete and is looking to be an advocate or at least be an ally um, in this fight for getting rid of the stigma surrounding mental health because we've got a long way to go. Um, but I'm hopeful that if we keep pushing, we can start getting athletic departments to focus on, okay, like we need more resources. We need to talk, even just talk more about it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think, I think this group is hopefully going to become one of those primary factors in it. If it's not already. Um, yeah, we, we love everybody that comes and joins and everybody adds something to our mission. So mm-hmm. yeah, just getting rid of that stigma overall. I love it. And I love the fact that it's really kind of like for athletes by athletes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So talked about this so much, right? Like you need to understand the situation and the experiences. And I think when, somebody can look at a platform and reasonably say like this person knows what it's like to be in my shoes Mm -hmm. that reduces so much of the barrier to go and ask for help Mm -hmm. because it's so powerful to share a story with somebody. Yeah. Like I know even personally, like I've been inspired because when I, first saw the hidden opponent on Instagram. It was from Victoria Garrick. I just have to see somebody repost a post of hers and she's super big on like body image and um, post like the real pod podcast for that and such. Um, and it was like this post about like just the reality versus Instagram posts. And I was like, yeah, like you're so right. Like I've definitely thought like a million times about should I post this picture of me on the beach or, you know, yeah. this or that. Um, and comparing myself to other people that I've seen, especially as an athlete, I think we do that all the time. Um, so yeah, it, it inspired me to start being open and, you know, or even without the hidden opponent, like, um, 
Clarkey like was an individual who was a big mental health advocate and and she like hundred percent inspired me to join the hidden opponent where I was like, I love what she's doing. I love how open she is. I want to, I want to do that. I want to be like that. Um, so I think the more that people are able to be open and honest about their experiences, the more that they're going to connect, like, hence why I'm wanting to be open because even if there's one individual who feels like they're seen through that, like it's worth it a million times. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I love him. I love everything that we do. That's awesome. Yeah. Rob always describes like, if you are willing enough to be vulnerable with your own story, it's like driving a snowplow through five feet of snow. Like you're the one that paved the path that then so many other people can start going down to say Mm -hmm. like, Hey, I see parts of myself in this story. And I think that that makes me ready to share a bit of mine or all of mine. And Mm -hmm as like emotional social beings being able to have conversations and connect with people on that kind of a deeper level creates so many opportunities for you know understanding for healing for connection that i think especially the athlete population has a tendency to miss out on Mm -hmm. because we're so worried about what other people think we need to keep up appearances. We need to, you know, for, for men, especially like keep up the macho athlete, like dude ideal. Um, and for girls, like, well, what's going to happen if coach finds out or Mm -hmm. if my peers find out and, and it's just so important to start having these conversations. And I'm so glad that you uh, were able to come on the show to have this conversation as well. Yeah. I really, really appreciate like, having the opportunity to talk about it. I I love discussing like the reality of mental health and how it's, you know, been such a big part of my life. So. Yeah, that's awesome. So Sarah, if people want to get in touch with you, um, either to talk about, you know, their own stories or just to maybe talk more about the hidden opponent or the uh, not-for-profit that you're doing for Jordan, where can they reach you? Yeah, um, probably Instagram, honestly, is the best, um, at SarahKG underscore. Um, for the nonprofit for Jordan, that's jordanclark.org. And yeah, I, I'm pretty commonly on LinkedIn. To be honest, I love LinkedIn. So if you just look up Sarah Glummy, I'll be there. But yeah. I need, I need to be better about LinkedIn, but. Yeah, I think it's fun. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll put all of that info into, uh, the podcast notes for everybody listening. Um, you can find Sarah's Instagram and LinkedIn there, as well as the not-for-profit for Jordan. Um, is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with as like a final thought? Um, I'd say, you know, it's a difficult journey to get to this point, but be as open and honest with yourself and with others as possible. Um, it's okay to go through your struggles. It's okay to have setbacks and trials and tribulations. But at the end of the day, like it's so worth it to share with others and to be just honest with yourself about what you're going through. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just always important to know like life is worth living. So, you know, just, just live it to its fullest extent, like feel what you need to feel. Yeah. I love that. I love the feel what you need to feel. And um, the last thing that I would add, and just to kind of 
sum up the show is that when it comes to starting to be vulnerable, it doesn't matter if it's you're sharing like one small, tiny piece of the story. If you're able to share just like one little bit at a time to get courage to share the next little bit, that's amazing. It's not the speed that you're going at, it's the direction that you're moving in. So if you're moving forward and you're pushing yourself to be better, it doesn't matter at what increment. Um, but no, thank you so much, Sarah, for, for yeah. coming on the show. Um, it was great to have you. And I think it was an awesome conversation. And for everybody listening, you know where to find Sarah. All of her stuff is in the <laughs> podcast notes. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.